Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hi everybody, Krista here. I'm glad that you are tuning in to the podcast. We are in the Getting Started series, and so tonight we're going to talk about six things that you should have or implement which may save your life. And I'm going to briefly jump through all six. We're going to talk about our sponsor, and then we're going to break this down. Now the six things are a smoke detector, a fire extinguisher, a NOAA weather radio, a safe place to go for severe weather, a first aid kit, and a supply of food and water. We're listing that as one. Our sponsor tonight is the book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People. That's me. That's you. You need this book. And this book was written by yours truly and her sweet husband, Mark. Mark and I wrote this book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People. It's a common sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. Now, the six things. Number one. Oh, and by the way, welcome, Mark. Well, hello. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. So had a good day. Yeah, it's a very good day. Yes. So we are welcoming our newbies and some of the ones that are refreshing their skills and their items and their preps and their pantries for the Getting Started series. So we've gone through a list of the six things we believe you need to have that very well may save your life or the life of someone you care about. And a smoke detector is one of those things. And I like the ones that have the built-in carbon monoxide detector. And you really need a carbon monoxide detector if you have any kind of open flame heating, whether that is even a gas central heat has a combustion chamber in there and the fire is separated from the air that flows through the house. And if there's a crack in that combustion chamber, then carbon monoxide can get into the air that's coming into the house. Oh, I see. Now, when you say open flame heating, would that also include just a regular fireplace? I like the idea of having a carbon monoxide detector if you're running a fireplace. Fireplace, so fireplace. Whether it's gas or wood. Oh, okay. So the kerosene heaters and the propane heaters, Mm -hmm. and even if they're indoor safe rated, Mm -hmm. you still want to have those detectors because you just never want to take a chance that something might be malfunctioning. Well, for 25 or $30, you can protect yourself and your family and just for the cost of changing the batteries each year. I understand that carbon monoxide is what they call the silent killer. Oh, yes. Somebody described it one time, you go to bed and wake up dead. Well, some people have said they have felt symptoms sometimes mm-hmm. with carbon monoxide poisoning, and that is headache, nausea, lethargy, drowsiness, a feeling of a sudden onset feeling of unwell. But what do you have to be to be able to detect those symptoms? You have to be awake. You have to be awake. Exactly. Oh, you've just thrown a whole new element into the mix. That's why I say a detector, because it will wake you if you are sleeping. Now, see that right there. That's the game changer. That's the whole idea is in, if you have a fire, if you have smoke in the house, if you have carbon monoxide in the house and you are sleeping, you want something to wake you up. I get you. Many, many, many lives have been saved because of a smoke detector waking people up while they were sleeping and giving them time to get out of the house. Good to know. Now that leads us to, God forbid, there's an actual fire 
to have a fire extinguisher is going to be, and probably in most cases, more than one, depending on your living circumstances. Yeah, you need one near the kitchen. Now, don't put it next to the stove. Where would you put it? Well, according to Chief Kuzieski, who we interviewed a hundred or so episodes back, fire chief in Pell City, Alabama, put it near the door that you would be exiting if there's a fire. Oh. And his idea there, now they've got several kids, young kids, and you can be scooting those kids outside and grab the fire extinguisher and attack the fire on the stove. I see. So you're putting a safe distance, too, between you and the fire. Putting a safe distance, but you don't want to have the stove between you and the fire extinguisher. Gotcha, because that thing could just get out of control. Right. You could be trapped that way. So, yes, you should have one on every floor of your home. If you've got a four-story house, you should have at least four fire extinguishers. At least. Because you may be on any level of that house at any time. A fire could start low. A fire could start high. Here, our minimum, as you know, is that we have one next to the exit door in the kitchen, and we have one in the bedroom. If we wake up and there's a small enough fire, now there's a limit to how much you can attack with a fire extinguisher. I understand. But if it's it's handy there and we don't have to go through the house to get the one in the kitchen. So we keep one in the bedroom and we keep one near the kitchen. And another place that we keep one is in the garage. Sensible. There's actually a couple out there. You, know, you could be working on a lawnmower. Catch the lawnmower on fire, and if you don't have a fire extinguisher, you wind up burning the garage down. You know, there's a lot of flammable things out in the garage, too. Oh, yes. You know, so. And there's always gasoline for lawnmowers. There's, you know, oil and different flammable liquids. The next thing up is an extremely important piece of gear to have, and that is an NOAA. We call it NOAA. Weather radio. This is the real deal, the programmable weather radio that gives you an alert. And it has woke us up when we've been asleep. There's been severe weather alerts and warnings that have come through, and I'm glad about it because you have to get up and you have to manually turn that alarm off. It's not something you app on your phone. You have to activate turning that uh, alarm off. And it, again, wakes you up in the middle of the night. You know, there's been tornadoes at midnight. And two in the morning. And you want, if a tornado is heading toward your direction, you want to get up. You want to be woke up. You don't have a lot of time to start with. No, and these are not just tornadoes. Now, uh, you cannot turn the tornado warning off in it, in the programmable ones. Uh There's a long list of things. You can have tsunami. Warnings. I noticed there was an avalanche. Avalanche. Yeah, some of you live in snowy mountain areas and you need an avalanche warning. We don't. It's turned off. Right. We don't need a tsunami warning. When our large snow this year was five inches and lasted, what, two days, Mm -hmm. and we, we didn't need an avalanche alarm. You can turn on what alarms you want, turn off what alarms you want, but you cannot turn off the tornado and i think it may be the hurricane i'm not exactly sure what the other is that you can't turn off but it does not affect us right here you know you gave me a very important tip years ago when you first introduced me to a NOAA weather radio and that is to program it for more than just your immediate 
surroundings like your county if you live in america every state has counties or uh, dominions or parishes and to program it for other counties near you you know adjacent to you and particularly coming from most usual storm direction in our case it's usually a west to east or a northwest to southeast sort of direction if you plot it out we are more southwest to northeast. Oh, I see. So we have the county that is to our southwest and is programmed in. Right, because that's the most likely direction some severe weather would be coming to us. Correct. And it will actually, in that particular county, it will get it if it's very close. If it's coming straight north, it will get it before it gets to just us. But We only live five miles, if that, off of the county line. So if a storm's traveling 60 miles an hour and you live five miles away, how long is it going to take it to get there? Right. So we're suggesting that for you to program it for other regions that are adjacent to you. At least one county upstream. Or whatever your your region may be divided. Yeah, I don't necessarily want the counties to the north of us. Right, because that would exist. That's when it's It's past us, exactly. And by that point in time, I'm already up looking at the computer, have brought GR Level 3 up, and I know where that tornado is at the moment. In addition to the NOAA weather radio, which is to wake you up and get you up, Now you need to get that information, and you need a way to receive that information in real time. Most areas now, at least in the United States, I don't know how this is done for some of you folks in other countries, but the television stations will go to -to wall-to-wall coverage here. The meteorologist comes on, and he is telling you exactly what's going on, where it's going on, where it's headed, and so you're getting very good information. Now, you can also, there are a lot of places that that information is simulcast on a radio station. Right. So you can't see the radar, but you can hear the audio, and they do a very good job of that. Have a way to be able to hear that real-time information after that NOAA weather radio tells you to wake up. Okay, number fourth on our list is if the storm's coming your way or if you've got a situation where you need to hunker down in a safe spot, have some sort of a safe plan for you and your loved ones to congregate in your home, your apartment. Find the interior structure, sometimes an interior hall closet if it's large enough for people to get into, Some something away from all the glass of the windows. Mm-hmm. If you have a basement, a lot of times that can be a safe choice. That's probably your best choice. And go to the corner that is the most underground. Once in a while, you find a basement that's built totally above ground. Mm-hmm. But most of them go partially into a hill anyway. Right. At our son-in-law's house, our daughter's son-in-law's house, their basement is was a drive-in, like a garage mm-hmm. at one time. They don't use it for that. But at the complete other end of the basement, it actually has walls that have just butted right up to the dirt. Oh, I mean, it, that it's is, totally underground. It's under the ground. And... There's a carport on top of it. So Uh that area right there is very, very safe. And it also has that concrete support for the fireplace that goes up. So there's that area about six feet wide Uh that has concrete on 
more or less six sides there, at least five sides. So it's a very safe area, and that's where they go. That's their designated area to exactly. go in case of a tornado. So a very good choice of that and a very good construction for that. Now, as you mentioned, you can get in a small room or small closet. and Our closet's not big enough for the two of us, two cats, to get in it, but we have. I mean, <laughs> We dumped all the clothes out one night. We, yes. we, the storm was coming, and we threw the cats into their carrier. And, of course, they're just, we threw treats in there, too, so they were, like, thinking it was a fun time. And we threw all the winter coats out of the closet because it was a summer night. And so we, we eased our way into that, and there's a little shelf area, and we put the carrier with the cats up on that shelf, and then we squeezed in there with all the coats out. There was enough room because we weren't planning to stay in there three days. I mean, we were just want to wait till the till the storm had blown over. And we did have a storm in our county, but thank goodness for us, it passed over and away from our community. But we were there. We were where we were supposed to be. Now, if you don't have these options, I've known of people getting into the bathtub and putting a mattress over them. I know that a mother did that with some very small children, an infant and like a Mm two-year-old, and she dragged the crib mattress and I think the twin bed mattress, and she sort of hovered over the children and had the mattress on her back, and she sort of like mother hand Mm -hmm. over the children. And kind of kept them because she felt like, well, if it hits the mattress, that's one. And if it hits me, at least that's two forms of protection over the children. And that mm-hmm. saved their lives. It's something we have to be aware of and to plan ahead for. Now, there are commercial shelters. We don't have one. We want one. And there's underground commercial shelters. There's above ground that mount to the concrete in the basement on the carport. There's any number of commercial shelters available that are just really storm rooms, and they're designed to take certain ratings of tornadoes, and so that's something that you might look into. The next thing on our list is something that we need to have that could save our life is a first aid kit. Oh, yes, absolutely, because what if you're in a situation where there's a traumatic wound or severe bleeding? You know, you've got to be able to make a move. Take that tornado. We're hit with a tornado. We're injured. It's going to be a while before help gets here. That's exactly right. Because we're not the only ones affected. If we're hit, if our house is hit by a tornado, we're not going to be the only ones affected. No, we're not. We might be the whole county be affected. It could be. You go back to April 27th of 2011, we had 12 people killed in the county that I was in that day, and we had hundreds of folks that were injured. Some of them stayed trapped in those houses for 36 hours. Wow. There was a point that ham radio operators were going door to door and checking on people. Public service was overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that, that happened that day. And so you may need to be able to stop that bleeding before help gets there. Yeah, it'll it'll be up to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. At that point you're you you are your own first responder. The next thing is you might need to be able to splint something, at least temporarily. But if you'll have a first aid kit, focus on trauma, 
particularly in stopping bleeding, that just might save your life. Absolutely. And the last thing on our list is your water and food supply. We're, we're listing water and food as one. I basically say nutrition because that involves everything. You know, because we've seen the lockdowns from two years ago and even some last year. More than that, at this point, we're not really seeing lockdowns now, but we are seeing some supply chain issues. And, and I believe we're yeah. going to be seeing more in in the coming March, months. In March and yeah. April, I think we'll, we'll begin to uh-huh. see some more. There's a few sources that we follow that have indicated that in certain regions and certain areas, you know, you lump them all together and you'll see shortages in every sector. But there will be meat shortages, uh, fruit and vegetable shortages, grain shortages, and the prices of what is available is going up. So it's really kind of a double whammy there. Mm-hmm. And so for our you that are new at prepping, you you know, if you're buying two extra cans a week, you may want to up it to four if you can get them. You may want to diversify your preps to perhaps more water. If you've got plenty of food right now, you may want to start really just mm-hmm. kind of maximizing your water storage. And put a little bit of that water in your safe place. Exactly. If exactly. you're trapped and you're trapped for 36 hours... A few bottles of water could be a very good thing to have in there. You know, the whole reason we prep is so that we don't panic when things happen. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of things out there that can happen. And will happen. Absolutely. So we want our new preppers and our our younger preppers, ones that haven't been doing this as long, we want you to know that you're on the right track. Stick with it. Stay informed. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. And realize that you have to take action in order to take care of yourself. Sometimes it's all up to you to take care of yourself and those for whom you are responsible. And right now is not the time to back off. I was in a discussion about how many more true preppers do we have today than we did before the toilet paper shortage. I'll just use it like that. And I think probably what we saw, and, and I saw this in some friends that they begin to stock up on some stuff, and then when things kind of, it's never going back, to go back to totally normal as we knew it before, but as it eased up and the shelves became apparently having more food on it, they slacked off. I know some of them have basically eaten through what they had stocked up, mm. and they have two years' worth of toilet tissue, but... That's not going to eat very well if you have major shortages coming. But I think a lot of people are seeing the things that are going on. They're seeing some of the shortages. And they may not be going a full-fledged prepper lifestyle, but they are getting into being prepared in some areas anyway. And food and water being one of them. Nobody ever preps accidentally. You just don't. It is an it is an intentional behavior. It's an intentional mindset. You have to make a decision that you're going to do this, and you've got to be very clear as to why and how that you're going to accomplish this because you don't just wake up tomorrow and be prepped. You know, you've got to do it overtly yourself. And we're three generations from where folks grew up with this and were taught this and practiced this. Every day. In fact, we flipped because it could, you know, back in the great grandparent days, we call it, if you didn't prepare, if you didn't stock up, if you didn't understand that emergencies happen, that was the minority person. 
That oh, was yeah. that was the one who was laughed at in the community because they're like, I don't know what that person is thinking they're going to do because everybody in the agricultural areas, even if in big cities, well, it was just they life. prepared. It, it was just life. They knew that they had to have something to put their hands on that would save their life, stop their bleeding, fill their belly. And comfort them in times of stress. And they also had all the things there to fix their stuff. Yes, they became their own doctor, their own mechanic, their own herbalist, their own uh, chauffeur, their own, of course, you know, parent and grandparent. They learned skills, and these skills were passed down, and the majority of people knew these things. Mm -hmm. Well, come around the WW1, WW2, and by the end of World War II... Well, people um, were moving to the cities. Yeah, America became... And they could walk down the street and buy their groceries. They didn't have to raise it in a garden. They didn't Mm -hmm. have enough land there to raise a garden or... Very, very you know, small when our parents were young, there was no such thing as a supermarket. They still had a store that they went into, and there was a man or a woman behind a counter who gathered up your box of goods, and you either carried it home with you or you had them delivered on their little delivery truck. And supermarkets came around when our parents were adults. Mm-hmm. And so this was a new luxury. And America, and I speak specifically of America because I've never traveled outside of America. America's all I've ever known. And we have become a nation of luxury and of convenience and of instantaneous gratification. And I think that the COVID lockdowns and the toilet paper shortage and some of the things that were happening in 2020 opened a lot of eyes. And I have been in a number of other countries and to see some of the folks living in abject poverty and some of the happiest folks that you could ever see. Yeah, they have absolutely nothing. Some of them don't even really have a roof and over their head. Which tells us it's not things. No, it's not things. But that's a whole yeah. other episode, <laughs> and maybe we'll get on to that one at some point. Right. But let's run over these again one more time. That's a smoke detector. Gotta have it. Fire extinguisher. Gotta have it. NOAA weather radio. Gotta have it. Safe place for severe weather. Gotta have it. A first aid kit focusing on trauma. Absolutely gotta have it. And a little bit of food and water. Well, I'm going to say a little bit more than a little bit. Okay, a little (laughs) bit more than a little bit of food and water. I need plenty. And this episode, as we said earlier, is sponsored by Practical Prepping for Everyday People. It's a common sense guide on preparing for life's emergencies. You won't find any doomsday bunkers in there. You won't find bug out locations as far as having something in the middle of a thousand acres in the woods. And you won't find in here moving out to the woods, bugging out and being a lone wolf and living by yourself like Jeremiah Johnson for the next five years (laughs) until you can repopulate the earth. But you will find a number of things in here as far as being able to care for your knife. And I'm just flipping through some things here, how to sharpen your knife. There are things on all sorts of things. Automotive care, because things happen when you're in the car or the truck. Prepping your car. They break down. Prepping your house. Uh, There's a pretty good bit in here on communications. First aid. And having a communications plan. There's a reference section in the back. Here's a pretty good list on individual first aid kits. And there's a fair amount in here on firearms and putting food on the table. Then you flip over to the back and there's some lists 
for uses for super glue, uses for duct tape, uses for bandanas, uses for trash bags, and some of these things will surprise you. So it's a it's a common sense approach to being prepared. It's available on Amazon or it's available through our website. And that again is practical prepping for everyday people. And as always, we appreciate you being here and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you haven't done this already, go ahead and click the subscribe button so you'll never miss one of our episodes and share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens, stay prepared.